Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. This week we feature Percy Crawford and his weekly television broadcast, Youth on the March. Percy's first experience in radio to reach lost souls came in 1925 when he was a student at Biola, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Biola had an extremely powerful radio station, KTBL, perhaps the first all-religious radio station in the world. Percy got up to the microphone and preached to a large audience. He understood the power of radio to get his message across to those who needed Jesus in their lives. Today's three sermons, with a little help from his family, are taken right from 1950 Youth on the March broadcasts. You know, I was talking to a man the other day about going to heaven. Oh, he said, what's the use? What's the difference? We're all headed for the same place. But that's not so. That's the amazing thing about it. The Bible says that's not so. Will you just wait there by your television set just for a few minutes while I talk to you? Now, you've had a lot of things on your television set today. Now, just let a little bit, a little portion of this Bible come into your heart, will you, while I read it to you? From Romans, the 10th chapter, the 9th and 10th verses. Listen to it that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Did you hear it? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That's the text. That if, a little bit of a word if, oh, a lot of things hinge on that. If your mother had not met your father, why, you probably wouldn't be here tonight. If, I was reading the other day of a, of a uh, story of a house that's situated away out west, and right on a, on a, a peak, uh, the raindrops come down and strike the uh, roof of this house, and some of the raindrops fall on one side and go into little bits of streams and small rivers and on out into the larger streams into the Great Lakes. And the rain that falls on the other side, sort of splitting the drops, go down into little streams and on out into larger rivers into the Mississippi and down into the Gulf. Just depends on where those raindrops fall. If one fell on that side, it would go entirely different. If it fell on that side, it would go entirely different. Now, God has made it plain in the Bible the condition upon which you and I are to go to heaven. If, small little word, but the condition is if, if what? If thou shalt confess. Confess with thy mouth. What's that mean? Confess. This Greek word is homologeo, if that means anything to you. It means to say the same thing. Homo the same. To say the same. Now, here it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. Here's the cost. The condition was if. The cost is if thou shalt confess. What? First of all, two things. First, sin and the Savior. In order to go to heaven, I must realize that God created me, not like I heard today in a sermon that we just evolved and came along and sprang forth and were animals and were growing. Oh, no, no, not that rot. No, no person of any intelligence believes that today. That God created us. He created us and man willfully sinned. You and I willfully sinned. And as a result, we inherit God's curse and God is at enmity with the sinner, you and me. Now, he says, if, he comes with a condition, if thou shalt confess the cause, confess what? Sin, the fact that I am a sinner. About three weeks ago, there looked in like you are tonight, a man and his wife. They were atheists, didn't believe in God. 
I received a phone call this week. This man is now in prison for murder. He said, his brother said, the only one he'll see is you. He's heard you and seen you on television. He wants to see you. <clears throat> I was in such a rush to get to the mountains, to our camp and the work there. I said, I don't see how I can come. Something happened that I could come, and I uh, stuck it in and got down there and went into the prison and came to the gate, and the man said, I had my old working clothes on, need to shave. I said, I'm a preacher. My name is Percy Crawford. He said, you're a preacher? Where do you have a church? Well, I guess I didn't look much like a preacher, but he let me in, and he, uh, t I talked with him, put me at a desk, and I talked with this murderer, just bludgeoned to death his wife. They both looked in two or three weeks ago. <laughs> they both laughed. Ah, that old show, that old religious stuff. <laughs> uh, I talked with him. He said, I wondered, was there any hope for my soul? I wondered about my wife going to hell. I wonder what the Bible says about the judgment. You bet your life. And when you reach the place, my friend, where you're desperate, where you're conscious of the fact that your life is sin-stained and black, and God says, if thou shalt confess, what, sin, that you're a sinner, that your life is black, that it's sin-stained, that you deserve to go to hell. And when you reach that place like he, through his tears, cried out to God and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's hope for a sinner, but no hope for some of you good people. You say, well, I'm all right. I'm as good as a lot of people I know. And a lot of people go to church. I don't even go to church. I'm better than... Uh, yes, sure, you got your excuse. He had his, too. How about your sin? How about the things that have blackened and stained and marred your... How about your sin? That's what I'm talking about. Not that other person over there at the side of the room. Yours. Come on. How about it? God says, if thou shalt confess the fact that you are a sinner and lost and sinking and can't do a thing for yourself, then he's going to do something for you. Then you see that there on Calvary 1900 years ago, God allowed his son to die on the cross and purchase your redemption. You see, I couldn't die for you. I'm no better than you are. You couldn't die for me. You're no better than I am. You can't lift yourself by your own bootstraps. You can try hard and do the best you can and still go to hell. When you realize that Christ is your all-sufficient one there on the cross, he died for sinners like you and me. He said, if, look, notice, here's the promise, here's, the, here's God's promise, if thou shalt confess the cost to confess the Savior, and then believe. There's the creed. Some people, I heard a person say the other day, oh, I have no creed but Christ. No, oh, get out. You can't have a Christ without a creed. Don't anybody kid you. This word is to believe, pistuo, to reach the place where you give allegiance over to. That's, that's believing. Who do I believe? Oh, sure, the devil believes Christ died on the cross. That doesn't save him. You can be as orthodox as John Wesley and Melanchthon and John Knox and a whole bunch put together go to hell. It's the consciousness that he died for you and to come out before those fellows you work with and that bunch at school and on your vacation and say, go ahead and laugh. You aren't going to laugh me into hell. I believe Jesus Christ died for me and I'm not ashamed of That's allegiance. That's this word, believe. Now, all America believes about Jesus. That's no good. That doesn't make a Christian nation. It's to come out on the street corner and say, I don't care whether you like it or not, I believe he died for me. If thou shalt do this, the climax is, thou shalt be saved. Save what? From hell. Save for heaven and have your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life so that when you reach the end of the road, you'll know there's no judgment for you but a loving Savior who's awaiting you because he died for you to take you there to glory. 
That's the greatest piece of news I know of. If I knew of something greater, I'd come and tell you about it tonight. But Christ died for you, and that's the gospel in its simplicity. Will you believe tonight? Will you? I hope you will. We now continue with the second sermon. Uh, say, will you just wait there a moment, please? I want to talk to you. You there by your television set. I want to read to you a passage of scripture from the Bible. You know, today a lady came to me and she said, my sister had some, uh, uh, out on, in a box on the porch, a lot of lovely little kittens. And she was uh, playing with them and enjoying them. And she went out just, uh, it was yesterday, I believe, and uh, stooped down on the porch to pick the uh, little kittens up in the box. And uh, a copperhead snake was... Uh, wrapped around the box in behind where she didn't see them, and as she picked up the uh, box with all the little kittens in it, the copperhead snake reached up and just went after her, poisoned her. whole hand became black, and they rushed to the hospital. She's in there hovering between life and death today. I'd rather have that happen to my boy and have him die trusting Jesus Christ than to be like some of you and go through life without a hope, without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, and be lost and go to hell for all eternity. Now, I want to talk to you about that. Come on now. Let me talk to you about that. And, and to back up what I'm going to say, I want to read to you from the Bible. Luke, the 18th chapter, the 10th verse. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and so on, and one a publican. The publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Two men, one a Pharisee, one a publican, and in an awful plight, he had trouble. He was in trouble. Here was a man, a, uh, a man who was a publican, uh, was one who had sold out. He was a Jew. But when the uh, Romans came in and took over, he turned a tax collector. He sold out uh, to the government and, as a result, was collecting taxes for the Roman government uh, from his own people. And they hated him. People hated him. The Jews hated him. He was a turncoat. He'd sold out his own people. And he was hated by the Jews. He was hated by everyone. And he was determined to take all he could in his greed. And sometimes they were very crooked. And this man, apparently, was one of such. And he was away down at the bottom. But he wanted God. He had a hungering for God. He wanted to know reality. He wanted to know his sins were forgiven. And away down at the bottom, Jesus said he came one day to pray. Two men. This man came to church and he stood there and he prayed. And he prayed, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He was down at the bottom. And you know, I was thinking as I read that today, man's extremity is God's opportunity. When you reach the place where you're desperate, when you lose your job, when your friends turn against you, when you're sick of yourself, when you're sick of your sin, and you've said, I've made an awful failure of things, and you're, and you're all washed up. Like a man wrote me a while back, he said, I'm a washout. That's right. That's the place God does something for you. And there are many of you tonight just right in that condition. Oh, a lot of you have money. A lot of you have luxury. You've got lovely television sets, and you've got a lovely home, and you've got maids and cars. But way down deep, way down, you're just like this man. You have no joy, no satisfaction, no peace in your heart, and you need what this man, his plight was desperate. Jesus said he came and he stood there and he prayed. Now watch his prayer. That was his plight. Here's his prayer. 
He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It wasn't an elaborate prayer. You know, I read that a while back, some years ago, that a man who opened Congress, a preacher, made the greatest prayer ever prayed. Oh, I don't know about that. Jesus made some beautiful prayers. But this man made a prayer that was heard. Listen, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful. <laughs> what a prayer. What a prayer. A prayer of desperation. You know what it is in the Greek? God be toward me as thou art when thou lookest upon the mercy seat. In other words, when, you, when he looked on the mercy seat of all the Jew knew that. Oh, there was forgiveness there. And here, here was forgiveness. And he said, look on me that way. God be that toward me. Be merciful to me, a sinner. That opens heaven's gate. And my friend, God has brought you to that place tonight where you'd wake up to the fact that you're utterly helpless in yourself to gain heaven. And you've got to admit defeat. You've got to reach that place. And he was so disgusted with himself, he beat upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me. 1,900 years ago, Jesus went to Calvary and died on the cross for sinners in order that you might be taken to heaven and have your sins washed away and then the pay. Jesus said, this man, not the other one, this man, I'll tell you about the other one maybe next week. This man went to his house justified, just as if he'd never sinned. Why? Because he had an atonement. Because someone had taken his place and taken his sins, and on the cross Jesus died that you might have life and have life eternal. I went through a cemetery the other day, and I saw a lot of, a lot of lovely uh, uh, things written on the tombstone. They were beautiful. But uh, I, I'd like to have on mine someday justified. Justify. Put all the cement you want. Dump it all. I won't. I won't bother me. Put all the flowers there. I won't smell them. Maybe I'm bragging. Think anybody will put a flower on my tombstone? It doesn't make any difference. But if you can put justify, just as if you'd never sinned. Ah, what a thrill! And tonight, there by your television set, my friend, we offer you a savior. I care not how low down or how high up you are. You need to pray the publican's prayer that this man prayed. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, if you're going to get to heaven. Will you do that? We've done it. We're glad we have. We want you to do the same thing right now. And now our four sons. Here they are, Don, Dick, Dan, and Dean, and their mommy at the piano. Going to sing the judgment, aren't you, boys? All right, sing it out. Day of judgment, maybe Oh. 
You know, I've enjoyed these little chats with you on Sunday evenings. It's been a real privilege, I believe, one of the greatest I've had in my ministry of all these years that I have been preaching around about the nation. I've talked as high as to 60,000 people in one audience at Soldiers Field a while back, and Hollywood Bowl to about 20,000 people and other audiences round about the nation. But somehow or other, I feel that this audience, each Lord's Day evening, is far larger than that which I have seen round about the country. And thank you for inviting me into your living room there and into your, the tavern and the bars and the different places that you've allowed us to come in. We appreciate it. Many places, uh, many of you never go to church, and we know that, and we're not rebuking you for it. We're, we're just glad that you invite us in and welcome us as your friend. And that's the way we like to come. And next October 1st, the Lord willing, we hope to come back on if the Lord will provide. And uh, once again, to minister to you and bring you the precious word of God. And I was reading today here in Luke, the 18th chapter, just uh, three verses that I want to read to you now. Will you listen there? Uh, the 10th verse, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. A wonderful story of a man who was a church man who went to church and was interested in religion anyhow. Uh, a man, and it's good that people are religious. In fact, uh, Augustine once said, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. What did he mean? He meant that in your heart and in my heart was a place for God, for the Lord Jesus. We'll never find rest, never find peace till we let him in. That's true, whether you like it or not. You may fight back. You may say, well, I don't want religion, I don't want God in my life, okay, but you'll never have rest. That's what God says. There's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And I noticed, first of all, as I was reading this, that he prayed, he prayed with himself. The manner of the Pharisee, he prayed with himself. He's a man of prayer. Uh, he couldn't see any further than himself. He prayed with himself, prayed to himself. Now, that's one thing that people say, well, I pray. Well, yeah, that's good. But he prayed to himself. And he, he, he couldn't see any further than himself. And all the way through, he was, he was saying, ah, he had eye trouble. He said, I thank thee that I am not as others. I am not an extortioner. I am not unjust. I am not an adulterer. I am not even as this publican over here. I'm not like him. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. He, he had eye trouble. And you know, a lot of folks are that way these days. They, they, they pray. They go through the motions. Like when I was a student at the University of California, uh, I said to one of the fellows, say, is such and such a fellow Christian? He, he's a swell guy. Oh, yes, this fellow student said, oh, yeah, he's a Christian. I said, how do you know? Well, he said he prayed 10 minutes the other day. He prayed 10 minutes without any preparation. So what? Does that make him a Christian? Not at all. No, sir. You can pray and pray and pray all around the world and still not be a child of God. But look at the pedigree of this man now. Look who he was. I, I jotted them down here in my notes. He was a straight shooter. He said he wasn't as other men. He was an unusual character, good citizen. He was an administer, uh, 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 administrator of justice. He was not an extortioner. He was a clean, moral man. He said he wasn't an adulterer. He was respectable. He said, I'm not as this publican, this old tax collector, this old turncoat. I, I'm not like him. Remember, we talked about him last week, a bad man who was saved. But here was a good man who was lost. He was respectable. He said, I'm not like this old publican, not like that guy, not on your life. He was a man of prayer. He fasted and he prayed and he was a tither. 
You know, when, when re religion gets a hold of a fella's pocketbook, it's doing something. And religion had this fella so wrapped up in it that he was willing to dig down in his pocket and give. That's more than a lot of you folks do. Yes, sir. He gave, like the fellow he knows being baptized, and when he was going down, he, he was willing to be baptized all of them, but when he was going down, he held his pocketbook up out of the water. Wasn't going to let that go, yeah, you know. A lot of folks, you know, they, they, they watch the preacher, and they yell at the preacher, and they holler at everybody, and as soon as the collection plates passed, they yell, oh, they wouldn't give a dime, no. They went and squandered $10, $20 on a, on, a, on a night. But they're scared to give to God. They won't give to anything that's good and lifts up. Oh, of course, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the other person over there, the other side of the room, yeah. He, he, he was so wrapped up in religion that he gave some of his money to God. And that's all you save anyhow. Only money you save is what you give to God. You can hoard it up and stick it in your box and buy bonds and save and buy property and go ahead and you'll leave it all for your kids to fight over. Yes, sir. He was so interested in religion that he gave. Now watch. Jesus was telling this story. He said, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the one a publican. Now watch. He, he puts his okay on one of them. Watch here now. He said, this man, this man went up in the 14th verse. I tell you, this man went, who? The bad man. The bad man prayed, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, he went to his house justified, not that religious formalist. God despises these people who go through a ritual that just have a mechanics about the religion with no heart in it. That go through and say, well, as long as I say a little prayer once in a while, I'll get in. Oh, no, no, that's a lot of rot. It's when you reach the place where you know as this man knew that he was black and vile and sin-stained and deserving of hell. That's where he was getting somewhere. He failed to recognize his sin. I'm this, I'm that, I'm good, I sure. It's only when God uh, takes you and, and deflates you, punctures you, brings you to the place where you're desperate, where you know you're black and know you're vile and know you're a sinner like this other man who was saved. Where you get to? He was I. I'm all right. Just like a lot of you. You say, oh, I'm as good. My Mrs. So-and-so goes to church down the block. I'm better than she is. Yeah, you're just like this one. No, no. He failed to trust in the mercy of God. I took one of our girls uh, uh, to the hospital this week up at Pinebrook to cut her foot, and, and uh, two of the men went w with her into the uh, hospital, and we were waiting around there, and, and uh, just before they put the stitches in, she said she bowed her head and closed her eyes, and one of the men said, by the operating day, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. 17-year-old girl, I'm praying. <laughs> he said, that won't do you any good. We think it will. Yes, sir. This man prayed and got somewhere. The other man prayed and didn't get anywhere. It's a funny thing. I went out to get a drink from the uh, drinking fountain in the hall. And there was an old man ready to die. Must have been 70, 75. And there he was sitting in his chair with his feet in a pillow. And he was, he said, mister, he said, what time is it? I said, five minutes to four. And I leaned over and whispered in his ear. And I said, it's time you accepted Jesus as your savior. He looked up at me startled. He said, I'm a good man. I've always done well. I've done the best. Oh, uh, but I said, you're a good sinner. You know you're a good sinner. He said, I'll admit I've sinned. We bowed our heads together as he put his hand in mine and received Jesus as his Savior. And uh, I said, whom did you receive? He said, Christ. The elevator came along, took him up to the operating room. He may be dead tonight. Ah, yes, but he went justified with a hope in the Son of God. That's what we want you to have. Right there tonight by your television set. You can have it if you'll receive it. Will you do it? I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer as the fellows sing.
heads are bowed and eyes are closed, will you bow yours right there by your television set now? I've been talking to you. You've had a little religion but no savior. You don't know anything about the blood that was shed on Calvary for you. How about tonight, right there, right, right now, not tomorrow, right now, right by your set, bowing your head and inviting the Savior in. And he'll bless and save you. Our Father, oh, bless our nation. Bless every man and woman and boy and girl tonight that they may come to know Christ and have a hope beyond the grave. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to Percy Crawford and Youth on the March. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.